Welcome to People Who Wrote Books, a podcast about people who wrote books. I'm your host, Andrea, and I am going to tell you the stories of some of my personal favorite authors. Now, truthfully, I wasn't actually planning on an episode about Jules Verne. I have read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Around the World in 80 Days, but I just didn't have him on my list. However, he came up a couple of times recently and I thought, eh, maybe it's a sign. So it began a few weeks ago when my friend Margie sent me this really cool article that a friend of hers wrote, and it was about this park in Tampa that used to be named after Jules Verne. And I will tell you more about that later. And then I completed this episode about Nellie Bly, which obviously includes Jules Verne because she completed his fictitious route around the world. But I didn't know that he actually met Nellie along the trip And she describes him and his wife as these wonderful people. So I took this all to mean that obviously the ghost of Jules Verne really wanted me to dedicate an episode to him. So here we go. Jules Gabriel Verne was born on February 8th, 1828 on the small island of Ile Fédou, which is part of the town of Nantes in France. It was kind of like a suburb Now, this island is still referred to as an island, but it's not really an island anymore because the river has been filled in, but it's just part of the city now. Just fun fact. Anyway, Jules's parents were Pierre and Sophie, and Pierre was an attorney, and Sophie grew up on the island. And Jules has a younger brother and three younger sisters. Now, the family was pretty wealthy, and I kind of, I feel like they just grew up in a upper-class French way in the 1840s. So you had Jules and his brother attending boarding schools, and Jules ends up graduating in 1846. And at this point, he moves to Paris. And this was because his father wanted him to follow in his footsteps and become an attorney. So Jules was like, all right, and went to law school. Now, he returned home between the first and second years of law school, And that is when he met a young woman named Rose, and he just fell madly in love with her, so much so that he wrote her like 30 love poems. And it really does seem like the feelings were mutual, but unfortunately, her family did not see this law student as a suitable suitor. So she ended up marrying this older, wealthy landowner, and Jules ended up completely heartbroken. So heartbroken Jules goes back to Paris. He's completing his law degree, but he just needs a little more in his life. So he gets into the literary salon scene, which would be so awesome. And I definitely am adding it to my list of places I want to time travel to. Basically, what happens is that you have a host who calls together a group of people and They're given intentional topics that they're going to bring to the group for discussion. And interestingly enough, a friend of mine recently hosted a salon party for his birthday, and I'm telling you, it was great fun. You should all try it. These salon parties just really inspired Jules. So even though he is working hard to complete his law degree, he is also now writing. Now we know he wrote when he was younger and in school. And of course there are those poems for Rose, But this is when he really gets into writing. And at this point, he is mostly working on writing scripts for plays. Now, during these salons, he met the son of Alexandre Dumas. 
Now, you probably know Alexandre Dumas. He is the author of The Count of Monte Cristo and The Three Musketeers. So anyway, Alexandre Dumas' son is also named Alexandre Dumas, and he and Jules became great friends. So Jules shows his buddy Alexander one of his plays, and together with some help from Alexander's father, who was a really big deal at the time, they produce a play called The Broken Straws, which was performed in 1850 in Paris. So he's off to a pretty good start here. Now he did go on to complete his law degree in 1851, and then much to his father's disappointment, he decided to pursue writing instead of law. Now, luckily, at the same time, he met this man, Pierre-Michel-Francois Chevalier, who was also from his hometown of Nantes, and Pierre was the editor of a literary magazine called The Family Museum, and this is when Jules had his first two short stories published. They were actually published in that magazine in 1851. Again, off to a pretty good start. So at this point, Jules decided to take a job as a secretary at a theater. So he wasn't making a lot of money, but he was in the world of theater and he had time to write. Of course, his dad is still hoping that he's going to return to law. He's crossing his fingers. So there are a lot of letters back and forth between Jules and his father at this time about this topic. And I love there's this one line that I want to read to you. And this is a letter from Jules to his father. And I quote, Am I not right to follow my own instincts? It's because I know who I am that I realize what I can be one day. Oh my gosh, if only all of us were that confident in our talents. Oh, love it. Now it's 1856. Jules is still working at that theater and he's 28 years old and he goes to be a best man in one of his friend's weddings and he falls in love with the bride's sister which I know sounds like a really great Hallmark movie. Her name was Honorine, and she was a 26-year-old widow with two young daughters named Valentine and Suzanne. At this point, Jules decides he needs a steady income in order to even consider courting Honorine. So he took a job as a broker, and Jules and Honorine were married on January 10th, 1857. And like so many of the authors that I have featured, he was getting up early to write and then heading to his day job as a broker. So he is supporting his family, but he does not quit writing. And then in 1858, Jules had the opportunity to take his first voyage outside of France on a boat. And he went from Bordeaux to London to Scotland. And this actually inspired him to write this semi-biographical novel called Backwards to Britain. And I think it's so interesting that he wrote this in like 1859, 1860, but it wasn't published until 1989. So his work, when we talk later about his legacy, he just, his work continues to be published, which is so interesting. Anyway, back to the time period. He did take another cruise in 1861. He really loves this and the adventure and the sea. This is all, it's what's inspiring his writing as well. But unfortunately, while he was on a cruise in 1861, he happened to be away when Honorine gave birth to the only child that they had together, a son named Michelle. Now in 1862, he is 34 years old. 
He's working that day job to keep his family supported. He has a wife and three kids. He had a few short stories published and a play produced early on. And now he's just writing these novels, but they're not getting anywhere. And that's what he really wants to do is have these novels published. And this is when he was introduced to a publisher named Pierre Jules Hetzel. Now, Hetzel was already a big name in publishing. He had clients like Victor Hugo. Yes, like the Les Mis guy. But now he wanted to start a new literary magazine called Magazine of Education and Recreation. I know it doesn't sound that exciting, but his goal of this publication was to combine entertainment with science. So I think this is like early edutainment. And Jules gave him a copy of the book he had been working on. And Hetzel thought it was perfect. And he published the book Five Weeks in a Balloon on January 31st, 1863. And now Jules Verne has a published novel. Now Hetzel saw how great this was and he did not want to lose this. So he created a contract with Jules for three texts per year for a flat fee. And Jules jumped on this opportunity. And Hetzel realized how great these books were. So he actually created a novel sequence with Verne's works called The Extraordinary Journeys. So all of those famous novels of Jules Verne's that we think about were actually part of this series. And that includes the book From Earth to the Moon, which was published in 1865. And this book is the reason why there was once a Jules Verne park in Tampa, Florida, because in the book, the fictitious moon launch occurred from the city of Tampa. There you go. Fun fact. Now Jules is writing and earning money for his writing, and he does what he's always wanted to do, and he buys a boat, and then he earns more money, and he upgrades that boat, and then he earns more money, and he upgrades his boat again. So it seems like things are going really well, but there there's more going on in his life. So his son, Michelle, ends up to be a bit of a, of a rebel. And in 1876, Jules and Honorine send 13-year-old Michelle to a reformatory for delinquent boys. And apparently it didn't really help very much. Uh, he ended up eloping with an actress when he was 19, which... His father famously did not want him to do, and they did end up married for about 10 years. So the family was getting, they were getting used to it. They were accepting this marriage, but then Michelle decided to take a young mistress and he had two children with her before he divorced his wife. So the relationship was a little bit stressed between Jules and Honorine and their son, Michelle. And while this was all going on, Jules was shot by his nephew Yes. In 1886, his nephew Gaston was experiencing a mental health breakdown. And in the process of trying to calm him, Gaston shot Jules in the foot and Jules ended up with a limp for the rest of his life. And then the next week, Hetzel, his publisher and very good friend by this point, passed away. And it is noted, like, even though he continued to write and travel, you can see his writing taking a darker turn after this point. Now in 1888, Jules Verne actually enters politics and I did not know this part of his story at all. He served 15 years as town councilor and Amin, which was a city they had moved to and he became quite fond of. 
he actually wrote a short story called The Ideal City, in which he traveled to the year 2000 and saw the future of Amin. And he then read the short story as a speech to the citizens. And I think that is just incredibly sweet. It's like he wrote a love letter to the town. And of course, we can't have this episode without a shout out to our girl, Nellie Bly, because in 1890, Nellie met Jules and Honoré as she was on her journey to complete his fictitious quest. Jules Verne passed away on March 24th, 1905 at the age of 77 due to complications from diabetes and a stroke. And he is buried in Madeline Cemetery. And luckily, he and his son, Michelle, were able to really repair their relationship over the years, and Michelle continued publishing his works after his death. And also, two years after his death, a sculptor by the name of Albert Rose used Jules Verne's death mask to create this incredible monument called Towards Immortality and Eternal Youth. And it depicts Jules Verne breaking through and like out of his own tomb. It is freaking awesome. Please look it up. It is so cool. I just wanted to note one other thing that I find so interesting about Jules Verne. And it's the fact that he is often cited as one of the early creators of the science fiction genre. But Jules himself did not claim that as his genre. He said that he wrote adventure stories. And then in response to people claiming that he was prophetic, he said he just did a lot of research. He used his imagination to create stories about what could be done with these inventions. And so he really didn't consider himself a science fiction writer. He considered himself an adventure story writer. But no matter how you view him, if you view him as a founder of science fiction or a writer of great adventure stories, or as a prophet. His influence on our culture really can't be denied. Jules Verne authored more than 60 books, and 54 of those were part of the Extraordinary Journey series. And then he also had dozens of plays, short stories, and even librettos. And he is the second most translated writer of all time. Anybody know which, who was the first one? Yeah, it was actually Agatha Christie. That means Agatha Christie and Jules Verne's books are translated into more languages than Shakespeare. There is a great quote from Ray Bradbury, and I think it is the perfect way to close this episode. Ray Bradbury said, and I quote, We are all, in one way or another, the children of Jules Verne. End quote. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about Jules Verne. And remember... Behind every great book is a person who wrote it, and this person used research and storytelling to envision the future. 